people of the world. This is the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Tune in each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on our website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, as we give voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. You can also get more of us by watching The Brothers Talk Show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. Hello to the Brothers Talk family and welcome back to our quest to keep the focus on Black economic empowerment and critical thinking. We always appreciate your time and your comments and for helping us to grow the Brothers Talk family by spreading the word. If you're new to the podcast, we're glad you could join us and check out our national campaigns, relaunching Black Wall Street Nationwide and hashtag Black Dollars Matter with the emphasis on taking control of our communities, one household at a time with each and every one of us doing our part to support and launch Black businesses. If you're on Facebook, check out our groups with over 4,000 members and hundreds of stories of Black entrepreneurs and Black success stories. And we are still in the midst of this pandemic. So if you haven't gotten your vaccination, please make sure you go out and get it. And if you have, please encourage others to do the same so that we can get back to some sense of normal. See a lot of people acting like it's normal, but we really are not there yet. And there's a new strain out there. So please be careful and don't spread anything further to restart this process. And if you're a parent, guardian, educator, remember there's also our newest Facebook group, Black Parent University, focusing on bringing Black parents and educators together to help advocate for our kids and their parents in dealing with an educational system that is failing us continuously when we need it the most. That's Black Parent University on Facebook. And our hour-long The Brothers Talk show is still airing on Saturday and Sunday on the TV streaming service, M24 News. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Noah. Hey family, thank you for your continued support. Like, like Rod said, the pandemic is, is not over. And it appears that, that folks are just kind of giving up and they don't care. Like we're going to do what we want to do anyway. But black folks, don't follow these other people. You got to support each other. We got to think about each other. We got to support each other. We are being lost already every day by the 10 leading causes of death, by unnecessary violence, by gang violence. We got to take care of each other. So one thing that you can control is go get the, go get vaccinated and let's stop this virus. Norm? Thanks, Scott. And I'm going to follow up basically by stating that, you know, we need each other. We're a minority in this country and this virus has pretty much decimated many in our community. So it's very important that we take care of each other by getting vaccinated. And I also wanted to mention there's a severe blood shortage right now in this country that's severely attacking our community. You know, we are sickle cell people. We are people with, with a lot of issues regarding health and we cannot have a blood shortage in our community. So what we need to do is come together and make sure that we contribute blood, donate blood to the hospitals and food banks within our communities. Because as Scott said, you know, there's a lot of violence, a lot of things going on in our community that we need to support and we need to take care of each other Right. And again, this week, we're doing something that we rarely do. We're actually into part three of our discussion around PTSD, and it has continued to grow and get a lot of 
feedback from people who have been very receptive to the idea that this is a underappreciated topic and therefore underaddressed topic in our communities. So we're glad to have this forum to continue to do this. And for the last two weeks, we've been looking to the issues of mental health as related to PTSD and the parallels to the issues that are happening in our communities with violence, of murders, police brutality, and the killings of unarmed Black people. So we're closing out our discussion today with a unique twofer and a return appearance by Brother Kevin Jivikis and Brother Didosio Habi. These two veterans were on the ground in the brutal attack at the Marine base in Beirut in 1983. Brother Jivikis is the author of Stop Your Effing Whining and Do the Damn Thing, which is available at www.stopyourfckingwhining.com. And Brother Habi is the author of the book Memoirs in the Moment, available at Barnes and Noble and on Amazon. We're glad to have both of you brothers. So please go ahead and greet the Brothers Talk family. Thank you. Uh, once again, it's a, it's a wonderful pleasure being a part of this great experience. I'm grateful and I'm humbled by it. And I'm looking forward to sharing this part of the uh, conversation as well. So thank you again for having me. Hey guys, my name is Kevin Jiggett. Uh Thank you for having me. And I like the docio. Uh, I'm humbled to be here and be a part of this forum, and hopefully we can reach out and touch some people and get people thinking uh, differently about uh, post-traumatic stress uh, and some things that we've gone through. And again, guys, thank you, and happy Father's Day to you. So we'll jump right in. So as we talked a little bit about in the pre-show, we've been having an interesting conversation about some of the parallels of what happens in the military with PTSD, as well as some of the same kind of issues that are ongoing in our communities. But let's do a little background. And so um, tell us a little bit about how you two brothers first came across each other. I was uh, still on the uh, East Coast uh, living in Washington, D.C., and uh, I got involved with some uh, Beirut veterans groups. And this one guy, Dave Wakefield, uh, knew that the Dosio Hobby had served in Beirut with me. And he also knew that uh, Dodosio was in the film industry. So he suggested that we meet. And so we met via Facebook and we chatted a few times via Facebook. And uh, we came, my wife and I, we came out here 2016 looking for a place and Dodosio and I, we had lunch and uh, I've not been able to get rid of him since. Uh, I've been trying to divorce that brother, but we got so much in common. We served in Beirut. I mean, that's, and you know, if you know anything about the Marine Corps, we are a band of brothers. And so he's black. We served in Beirut and we get along and I can't get rid of him. So there you have it. <laughs> that's how I, I see our relationship. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm very grateful uh, for our friendship, our relationship, the brotherhood and the bond. Um, I shared this with Jiggis before, and I'll share it with you all. Um, when we finally did meet in person, that was a moment of vindication, of confirmation for me. Um, part of what I had been going through to that point was a bit of denial around whether this thing really happened. Did I just make it all up? And then the moment we met and we just started talking and synergy it confirmed the truth, the reality that my mind kept trying to convince me wasn't real. Uh, so my relationship with Jiggis is 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 is, is phenomenal. It's uh, and like he said, I ain't going nowhere. You might as well accept yeah. <laughs> it. That's the way it is. We're gonna be there together to the end. That's it. What would you tell someone if they think 
that they may be in, in a relationship with someone who has PTSD? How should they approach that person? I'll go first. I think the best thing you can do is try and understand what is causing the person the duress that they're experiencing and then find a way to uh, help them get to a place where they can start seeking support. Uh, and if they're unwilling to do that, then you have to become the support for that person to the best of your abilities until such time that they see that they could benefit from more uh, and then take that next step to getting there. Hey, that, that's a great answer, Javi. But I'm going to poke at you a little bit. What about people in denial of, of post-traumatic stress? Because I mean, on, on a lot of levels, uh, just before the, the conversation started, we were talking about the different things, you know, African, those people at the conversation and how those things uh, contribute to post-traumatic stress and possibly how somebody like that will deny that they have post-traumatic stress. But you see it. You see their troubles. They're struggling with this. So what would you say to that person who is in complete denial? Uh, you know, that's actually had been my experience. I was in denial, complete and total denial for 30 years after mm -hmm. Beirut. And you, many people had mentioned to me that I should go speak to someone. But the fact of the matter is I wasn't ready for them, for, to, ready mm -hmm. to go and speak to someone. The thing that I would say is when you encounter someone who is resisting getting help, the best thing you can do is just be there for them. In whatever way you can, just be there for them. Because sometimes, sooner or later, they will get to the point where they are saying, you know what, I probably do need to talk to someone. So the best thing you could do is just be there for them in whatever capacity you can. Yeah. Do we have organizations that, that are looking for people who have this, I'm going to call it a mental illness, um, in our society, in our communities, and, in, and amongst veterans? Are there people actually looking out for these people? My experience has been there are people who are looking out to, pry, to try and support us. Um, the numbers, of, they're, they're not as many organizations as I'm, I'm comfortable with, um, so, but they do exist. I think the problem is, is that they don't really know how to reach out and engage folk because we don't talk about it. We don't, we don't share what's going on with us to other people. So it's hard for people to know. And if we're at a place where we're not ready to get support, then of course, we're not even going to be aware that we need to reach out and touch someone. Right. So I think there are some, I think we could benefit from a lot more. Um, and I'm just hopeful that, you know, with this kind of dialogue, people understand the, the need we have and respond to it. It was definitely, I, I can't answer to, you know, if those kind of organizations exist in, in our communities, but there's definitely a need for it uh, because our people are, they experience post-traumatic, they live under a huge post-traumatic stress umbrella morning, noon, and night. So, uh, that needs to be available. And in, in terms of veterans, uh, not just veterans, but veterans and black men, uh, we, we have this big denial thing, as Dodosio said, we, we won't talk about it, especially black men. We, there's something lost or we feel possibly vulnerable um, if we start admitting that we have some kinds of uh, some mental challenges and stuff like that. And, and, but in the Marine Corps or, or the 
this uh, military, I mean, they have programs available now and it's becoming noticeable uh, since Iraq and, and those recent wars that, that veterans are coming back and they're hurting from this thing. And this last is long term. We just lost our, uh, uh, Beirut vet uh, about four years ago, suicide. Um, I, uh, all those years, 34 years, he just killed himself, just beat him up all these years, couldn't take it anymore. So it's tough, <clears throat> especially when you've been involved in uh, a theater of combat. Uh, that is brutal to uh, to play over and over and over again and just remember it every day for the rest of your life. I remember everything about Beirut. And it's been almost 38 years. Um, and I can only imagine what a guy from uh, Vietnam uh, is experiencing after 40, 50 years. I mean, because it, it plays over and over again. And in the military, there's no there's no off button. Um, they don't tell you how to turn it off. It, you know what I mean? So we guys like us, we need that extra help. You know, I'm sorry to take the damn floor. <laughs> That's OK. That's good. We, we've been talking about the parallels, as we said, between military PTSD and what we see as a type of PTSD in the communities. Because when we hear about some of our kids who talk about the first dead bodies they saw when they were five, six, seven, eight years old, and they've seen people get shot and seen people die at that young age, you know, we recognize that that has to have a traumatic impact on them. And so, do you think there's an opportunity for brothers like yourself who have uh, acknowledged that this is a real symptom to work in, in the communities to help some of these young people face down the fact that the reason we have such uh, high incidences of violence is because they have unaddressed PTSD? It, you know what, Abby, I just thought about something given what I know about your past and your work with uh, folks up in Oakland in the city. This is a good one. I'd like to hear your answer, bro. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I say, yeah, uh, there are parallels. Uh, while the severity of the symptoms may differ between the two groups, I think the symptoms, the kinds of symptoms and behaviors are going to be pretty much on the same on par. Um, I do think that the community can benefit from knowing or from our sharing the truth about what it is. I think though that the key is to make sure we don't focus on just the negative part of it because ultimately there's a lot of drama, a lot of misery in the community. And who wants to hear about this is a terrible situation I have to deal with the rest of my life. So I think as long as we can come at community and say, look, here's a situation we have to deal with but guess what? Once you learn to manage it, you can be as good as you were before, or you can have the kind of life that you want to have before, or even a better life. You just have to learn to do the work and not become afraid of it. So I do think, and, and, and my history of working in community shows that the truth of a situation is always more powerful than the lies that we tell ourselves. So... I think I've read in, in 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 the past, and I've seen some some uh, stories on on TV where the the military has tried not to take responsibility for people who have PTSD, and they haven't been as supportive as they should be. If you were given a just a blank slate, and they said, you know what, money is not an issue, what kind of program would you design? What would it look like for you to address people? 
coming out of the military with PTSD. What's that program right. look like? I think these programs are starting to pop up now because it's become the world is becoming more aware of uh, post-traumatic stress. And and it's been around forever, but it's... Well, well Jiggy, staying, Jiggy, I mean, I'm yeah, saying, what would, how would you, what would you do differently? How would you approach it differently if they say, you know what, dig it, dig it, you and the docio, I want you all to put a program together to address PTSD for ex-military veterans? Well, that program has to be, you have to have like-minded veterans in that room and at every meeting veterans uh who are in current past and few and will have future struggles uh in that room and it needs to be moderate carefully moderated by somebody who understands this this newly talked about post traumatic stress disorder but the the stories have to come from the veterans themselves because we've been there we know the loudness of it we know the ugliness of it and um it's most often seen on TV and in the movies, but we know the real deal. And, and we speak the same language. And it doesn't matter the branch. If you served in that theater, we speak the same language. So that's what I think. I, I think that's a really good question. And I've thought about this a lot. And what comes to my mind is something similar to a 12-step program um, where you provide the veteran access to all the wraparound services they might need. Um, you also provide ongoing education to help them become more aware of how their mind works as a result of the trauma they were exposed to. Um, and then you also provide ongoing support in the mental health area. Uh, and you also make it accessible to the veteran's family because oftentimes the veteran may not be aware of his or her behavior or the impact of that behavior, and the family member is too afraid to say anything because they don't want to risk the, the veteran flashing on them. So right. it seems to me that the best thing we could do is create a lasting, uh, engaging type service where the veteran has access to what he or she may need and also has ongoing education around how to continue to learn, uh, to dissect what's going on within them and manage it. And you you pointed out. I mean, it's very much it's it's a family issue. Uh, when a guy is returning from uh, the Gulf War, I mean, he comes back to his family. That that thing lives in that house now. So now the family has to become educated and aware as to how to deal with that. Kevin, I had a question. You mentioned a veteran who took his own life, the suicide. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is an epidemic among veterans right now in this country. Yes. And it's starting to hit the general population. Our community, young people are starting to take their own lives as well, because assuming I'm, I'm going to say that they're suffering from the same um, mental illness. Wouldn't it be wise to make this like a, a national emergency, a, a something that the whole government and all the institutions should be focusing on? I, I agree that it should be something that the world should focus on. And when I say the world, uh, people taking their own lives in other countries, teens and young folks nowadays are under a lot of like pressure. I don't know, social media and like pressure. Um, and you couple that uh, and now you have people, uh, especially black kids or inner city kids, they have social media like pressure 
and they live under this other umbrella of, of ugliness. So, and a lot of them, they can't balance these things. They take their own lives. And so it has to be a national and world crisis uh, or not crisis, but it needs to be addressed by governments. Yeah, I would have to agree with that completely. I, I think the more we talk about it, the more we defeat the impact of stigma around mental health. Because I think one of the reasons that, um, let me just talk about my own. When I was at the place, when I was about to end it for myself, the reason was because I felt alone. I felt no one understood, no one got me. And what was the use of me living life when no matter what I try, I still have to fight my way through this misery every moment of the day. So, so I think that if people can get to a place where we talk about this, this mental health issue, we talk about how it leads to suicidal ideation and such, when we make that a common uh, household conversation, we stand to gain the most. Absolutely. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. You wanted to end it. And and the other side for me, once I got past those those moments of wanting to end it, I had so much rage and and killer in me. I wanted to kill. I you know I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, only a few people know this about me, but I wanted my first job out of the Marine Corps. I wanted to be an assassin. Just I was gone like that, and I, somehow I dialed my my crap back, but. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it's tough, you know? You have guys who are extreme in dealing with uh, post-traumatic stress and guys like the Docio and, and uh, James Tully, Corporal James Tully, who killed himself. It's, it, it's, it's a monster. So this is, there you have it. And this is a great conversation. You see what we do here in keeping it real talk, keeping it transparent. And so we can't thank Brother Kevin Jiggets and Brother Docio Habib enough for coming out and being real with us because this is what Brothers Talk is all about. We want to continue to push the conversation out into the community and we'll definitely revisit this issue because we want to keep this subject current. We see the parallels. We know what's happening in our communities. And so we've got the double-edged sword. We've got many of our own brothers and sisters who come back from combat theaters as Brother Jiggett said, and if we're not reaching out to them through our efforts as well, like, yeah, the government should be doing their part, but a lot of denial is happening in our communities, and we need to do a better job with that as well, because we also have the other side of the coin where our young people are facing monstrous kinds of violence, and there are definitely mental impact that are causing them to have the same kinds of disorders that we are talking about that come from the military side. So we want to thank Brother Jiggets and Brother Habi again, and we want to remind you that they both have books out. Brother Jiggets' book is called Stop Your Effing Whining and Do the Damn Thing, which is available at www.stopyourfckingwhining. It's missingtheyou.com. And Brother B is the author of the book Memoirs in the Moment, which is available at Barnes & Noble and on Amazon. 
and our positive black business experience of the week. As we record this on Juneteenth weekend, we have to acknowledge that there couldn't have been a more positive black experience in our country's history than that of the different black Wall Streets that were created all across this country at the beginning of the last century and at the end of the 19th century. These include the Haiti community in Durham, North Carolina, Jackson Ward in Richmond, Virginia, the 4th Avenue District in Birmingham, Alabama, Rosewood, Florida, Boley, Oklahoma, Knoxville, Tennessee, East St. Louis, Illinois, Washington, D.C., Chicago, and New York City, where thousands of African-American families settled into communities and basically had a sense of black prosperity. So we salute them for being our positive black experience of the week. Thanks again to all the Brothers Talk family. And remember to check out the hour-long Brothers Talk show airing Saturday and Sunday on the TV streaming service M24 News. Remember, if you want to give us direct feedback, show ideas, if you have questions, or you just want to share your thoughts, let us know. We're at the Brothers Talk on Twitter, the Brothers Talk on Instagram, and there's the Brothers Talk group on Facebook. Don't forget to like our Facebook page. And a quick reminder that if you also want to share more of your thoughts with us in detail, or if you want to get more information about our 12-point relaunching Black Wall Street nationwide plan, you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. God bless you all for your time and your support, and you always have our absolute commitment that we'll never take it or you for granted. So remember, let's do better today, because that's all we really have.